Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. And thank you, Clark, and just beautiful songs this morning. And I just want to echo uh, with Clark earlier just the appreciation that I have for just the faithfulness of our worship team. And when Clark was talking about just giving them a uh, a breath for uh, for a week, and just to be able to enjoy, uh, just just focusing on worshiping with their family, and uh, just so faithful week in and week out, and just a crazy uh, season over Christmas. So grateful for uh, just that team. Grateful for Clark's leadership there, and uh, as we look toward the uh, and look back at our community worship service, and uh, Clark did a great job really connecting and, and leading a community worship team at our uh, Smoky Mountain Center, and just had a great. Uh, time there and just able to uh, to worship throughout the Christmas season and just so grateful for the the time and the just the uh, the way that uh, that this team uh, just focuses uh, on our Lord and lifts high uh, his name week after week and so thank you for that we're so blessed uh, just to, to have such a great team and to be part of such a great uh, church family uh, as we jump into this new year it's hard for me to believe that there's another year that's gone by uh, it used to seem like uh, the years kind of went slow and it seemed like forever until you'd reach those days. Some of our younger kids in the room may feel that way. It's like it takes forever. Christmas is so far away. And now it's just a blink and uh, uh, time is just going so fast and my kids are growing up and our, our kids here are, are growing up so quickly. And, you know, it's, it's just a hard thing for us to even get our minds uh, around. You know, age kind of catches up with us. I heard a uh, a story of uh, this uh, this gentleman who had decided to move into a retirement community to spend the rest of his days, and he got there, and when he was there, he found a little lady that he was uh, attracted to and began to talk to her, and uh, they began to uh, just spend a little more time together, and he got his nerve up, and on uh, that New Year's Eve, he went to her that night, and he said, you know, I'm I've been thinking about this for a while, and he uh, asked her for her hand in marriage. And the next morning, uh, he got up and uh, began to kind of think a little bit, and he could remember his proposal, but for the life of him, he couldn't remember her answer. So he went and found the lady, and he said, listen, I'm a little bit embarrassed. He said, I remember uh, so much uh, about last night, I remember proposing to you, but he said, I can't remember if you said yes or no. And she said, oh, thank goodness. She said, I remember saying yes, but she said, for the life of me, I couldn't remember who asked me. (laughs) You know, and and in a lot of ways, that's kind of like our New Year's resolutions, right? We forget them uh, about as quickly as we make them. Uh, I've I've looked at my life and kind of seen that throughout throughout the years. And uh, I wonder today if, if we could look at the start to this new year in a different way? What if instead of these resolutions that we may forget by tomorrow, that we might be a people that would fix our eyes on the glory that we sung about, on the glory of Christ that is so beautiful, on all that God has prepared for us, and that we might live our lives in a way that would be fixed on making an eternal impact, that we might live for eternity. You know, we have been in a series, if you're a guest with us 
today. We've been in kind of a year-long series all through last year. We began uh, in Genesis and walked all the way through what we will finish this morning in the book of Revelation. And we have, have been looking uh, toward this thought of all things new. We've been in this final series and thinking about what it would look like to live for eternity, to live with the end in mind. How would it, how would it change our life? How would, we, how would we look at the resources that God has given us? How would, we, how would we look at the time that God has given us? How would we steward those things in light of what really matters? Now, there's a lot of questions when we think about the end, when we think about eternity, uh, there's a lot of things that we think about. What will we do there and how will we, uh, we live? What will heaven be like? I, my father-in-law used to tell the story of uh, a pastor that was preaching on heaven and he had gotten very excited uh, in those moments. And, uh, and in that moment, he was looking for a little feedback from the congregation and he said, uh, how many of you are ready to go to heaven? And there were people that were getting excited out there and they were uh, making a little noise back and forth and they were lifting their hands and, and he began to get a little more excited and he said, if you're ready to go, he said, I want you to stand to your feet if you're ready to go to heaven. And so there were people standing in all kinds of different places and old Bob there on the front row, he was kind of still in the moments and the pastor noticed some of those things and he'd gotten a little bit, uh, a little bit worried about him. And after the service, he said, listen, mom, he said, you... Uh, he said, are you okay? He said, are you sure that, uh, that you know Jesus and that you can go to heaven when you die? And he said, yes, sir. And he said, well, I was noticing you were a little reserved during some of the, uh, the, the worship today and when we were talking about heaven. And he said, when I asked if everybody wanted to go to heaven, he said, you kind of stayed quiet in the midst of that. He said, well, listen, he said, I thought you were getting a bus load up right now. <laughs> and, and you know, the reality is that if we could experience and see and know all that God has for us. You know, if we were to ask people, when, when do you want to go to heaven, right? Would you rather go in 10 years or right now? The answer that most people would say is, you know, I want to go in 10 years, right? Because we think about those next steps. We think about the, the wedding that is to come. We think about the trips that we want to be part of. We think about all those things. And somehow, and, and, and I believe one of the greatest ways the enemy works uh, in our culture is to make us think that these short-term things, that these things this side of eternity are going to be greater than all that God has for us. And when we could get a glimpse, right, of the glory of God, and if we could uh, just see a bit of what heaven is going to be like, and if we can fix our minds on eternity, it changes everything. And my hope is that today as we look at a little glimpse of heaven in Revelation chapter number 21, that the size and the greatness, that the majesty and the glory of all that God has prepared for his people, that a vision and a glimpse of Christ and his greatness, that it might give us a proper perspective of this life. And that with a correct perspective of heaven, that we might live this life differently. You know, uh, years back, I saw an illustration. A pastor named Francis Chan uh, used a rope like this. And uh, it's something that has always stuck with me. And when I began to think about what it might look like to live for eternity, I began to, began to remember and just think about 
this picture. And if you notice on the end of this rope, there's a, a very small piece. I put some tape here. And for this morning, I want to encourage you to think about this life that we live right now. In light of this small piece of the rope. And let that represent all the excitement, all the joy, all the things that we invest so much in. All the moments that we are so excited for. Never been much of a lasso. But I want you to think about all the moments that we have here. Represented in this small amount of time. And, and if you could picture this rope which goes over uh, to the end of the stage. That, that this rope would go on for eternity. That we would get a picture of the time that we will have in the presence of our Lord forever. Uh, for those who are in Christ and that we would get a glimpse and just a thought of the eternity that we will live and that we might, instead of choosing to live our lives in such a way that's focused on this short amount of time, that we might live our lives for the glory of his name and that we might live our lives for the things that will last and the things that will be for eternity. And it's my hope today that as we look into the scriptures that we would remember those things, that we would be reminded, you know, we began in January of last year and we started where we're starting today in our reading plan. By the way, if you uh, read together with the church. We uh, launch a new reading plan today. And if you start today and go throughout uh, this next year, you will read uh, the entirety of Scripture, every chapter, every verse. Uh, there's a shared reading plan that is available through the church app. It's also available at cowie.church forward slash disciple. And through the Version Bible app, you can read the Scriptures in community together. You have the, the ability to to read and then make some comments uh, that day and also to read comments from others that are reading along through the scriptures. And that's always just a really uh, blessed time. You'll also find a printed copy of those reading plans as you go. And really in 15, 20 minutes, uh, you will be able uh, to read through the scriptures this year. And those are things that will last. The, the, the investment of our time. You know, the enemy wants us to believe that the things that we are doing, right, that they are, uh, as we scroll through social media aimlessly, as we, as we watch a series of Netflix, as we engage in all those things, the, the enemy wants us to believe that we're going to find satisfaction in all those things, but we will only find satisfaction in Christ. And so I want to encourage you, uh, jump in with us this year as we read uh, the scriptures. We began last year in Genesis, and we uh, started out today's reading as Genesis 1 through 3. And in those chapters, we see God's uh, beautiful plan of creation, that he created everything. And the Bible says that uh, when he created everything, that he would look at it, and he would say, and it was good. And man lived in fellowship with God. Uh, the scripture would tell us that he walked in the garden together, that they had, there was no separation uh, uh, that everything was perfect. And then uh, we don't get very far in the scriptures. And in Genesis 3, we see uh, the fall. And as we've looked at, at just this overarching picture of scripture this year, we, we've had a, a graphic that has pointed to those things. And we've seen creation. And then 
uh, we see the fall. And immediately uh, following uh, this picture of the fall, we see that God uh, makes a promise. And we focused a bunch on this promise that's made in Genesis 12, where he made a promise to a man named Abraham. But we see it all the way in Genesis 3.15, where there's a promise of a redeemer. And there's a promise of a redemption. Well, we see the curse right in the beginning. And, and, and we re- live in this broken world that is uh, affected in so many ways, right? That is affected in every way, right? When we look around, we see the effects of the curse. But there is this promise that one day God is going to make all things new. Uh, We see this picture of the gospel, right? In the finished work of the cross of Jesus that made a way uh, for sinful humanity to be reconciled to a holy God. And here we find ourselves living Uh, as the church on mission for the glory of God. And not only do we look back and remember all that Christ accomplished through the cross, we look ahead to that day that all things will be made new. Now, some of you have looked at that graphic this year and you've said, you know what? I I was kind of thinking that the end was going up, but what we're going to see in Revelation 21 is that the end is coming down, right? And we're going to lean into that. When we see in Revelation, God uh, gave John a preview of what is to come, a preview of our eternal state. And when we get a glimpse of the glory of God and of all that he has prepared for us, it is my hope that the things of this world would grow strangely dim and that we would live in light of his glory and of his grace. Revelation chapter 21, will you stand with me in honor of the reading of the word of God? We're going to read verse 1 through 7, and then we're going uh, just to lean into those this morning. Uh, The scripture says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Let's pray. Father, we have a lot to look forward to. God, I think about all the things that we're going to experience. God, those who are in Christ, Lord, all the blessings that we will experience. And God, I think about some of those things that will not be there, and it causes my heart to rejoice. God, help us to fix our eyes on eternity. And may we live for the glory of your name. May this year be a year, God, that that we discipline ourselves, Lord, for the purpose of godliness, Lord, that we might be a people who would live with the end in mind. And Lord, because of that, that our choices would be different, that our lives would be different, Lord, and that there would be impact that would last, Lord, that there would be an eternal impact from the people under the sound of my voice this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. And I, 
I read those words, right? A, a new heaven and a new earth. When I, when I think about that, I can't imagine just this moment for John as he sees a new heaven and a new earth, right? We think about the fall and, and the brokenness of creation. And then we see this beautiful picture of redemption and restoration. And we, we think about what he would have seen in those moments. You know, I think about moments that are here, moments that we have, maybe even around this, this Christmas season, moments where all the family is together, moments where we uh, have time that we are just spending with one another and moments that we look at and we say, you know what? And it just can't get any better than this. You know, I was talking to my wife and I was asking her about moments like that. And we reflected back to this summer when we were in Honduras. And there was a moment there where both of my kids and my wife and I were all able to serve together. And as we looked out and our kids were we were loving on these kids that were from Honduras, and there was this immediate uh, just connection and, and, and fellowship with these people because they were family, right? Because they were, they were in Christ, our brothers and sisters, and in those moments as we fellowship together and as we serve together and as we worshiped together, there was moments that we would just look and our eyes would just fill with tears, and there was this thought that, you know, it just really doesn't get any better than this. But I want you to know that when I read the scriptures, that our very best day here is nothing compared to a day in the presence of our God. In Psalm 84, the scripture would say this, that better is one day. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your presence than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day than a thousand somewhere else. Now, we think about heaven, and, and we think about that. Sometimes the older we get, the more we think about it. Sometimes it's moments at a funeral when we think about heaven, and we use the word heaven. And when we read the scriptures, we see uh, heaven referring to different things along the way. We see this one picture of, of, of the sky, right? We think about uh, the sky as, uh, as a way that heaven is used in Scripture. We think about uh, outer space, kind of this bigger uh, kind of picture uh, around us. And then we think about heaven, and we see the Scriptures use heaven as uh, this place where uh, God is, right? This uh, this place where God dwells and where Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And we think about heaven and we, we think about where is heaven, right? We think about this thought of heaven and we, we don't know but so many things about exactly. You say, well, Jason, show me exactly uh, where it is, right? And, and when we think about it in the scriptures, we think about it being up, right? We think about uh, it being up and we can see those kind of places, right? We think about it being the place where loved ones who have died, uh, in Christ, where uh, they are. We think about it, this wonderful, beautiful, uh, majestic place. Uh, John uh, was the perfect person, right, to see all these things. He was the one who, in John chapter 14, where Jesus would write these words, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, he's laid out a lot of things in John chapter 13. Now, he's allowed them to get a picture, and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, uh, which will be shed. He said, I'm going to be leaving, and I'm going to die. And he says, hey, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then Jesus said these words. He said, in my father's house are many dwelling places. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. But then he says, but I go to prepare a place for 
you. Now, we know that Jesus went to the cross of Calvary, and it was on the cross of Calvary in the finished work of the cross that he made a place for you and I. He made a way for us to be in heaven, right? We think about those words, and he said, and if I go, he said, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. I'm so grateful to know, you know, when, when the, the church at Thessalonica, they were expectant of the Lord's return, and it's my hope this morning that we would be expectant of that time where Jesus will come and where he will rule and reign, right? Where this day, right, where all things will be made new. But they were struggling in those moments, right? These believers at Thessalonica, they, uh, they were so expectant of the return of Christ that all of a sudden their loved ones were passing away. All of a sudden they were experiencing death of family members and they were not expecting that. They thought Jesus would come back before any of those things would happen. And as they wondered about their loved ones, as they wondered uh, about those that had gone on. The Apostle Paul writes these words in 1 Thessalonians 4. And he says this. He said, I would not have you to be uninformed, brothers. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant in the King James concerning those who are asleep. So that you sorrow not as others who have no hope. Then he says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, those who sleep in Christ, he will bring with them. He says, those who are alive. He said, we're not going to prevent those who are asleep. And he said, for those who are, are, have died in Christ, it says, I mean, I'm going to just read uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter number 4. He says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those who were alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord, right? He gives us this incredible picture. And so for uh, those of us who have had loved ones who uh, are believers who have uh, died, who the scripture would, would refer to have gone uh, to sleep, the scripture would tell us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so there's this picture of this present heaven where uh, they are in the presence of the Lord and where they will be uh, with him uh, in, in God's presence forever. We see this beautiful picture of heaven. But when we read in uh, this passage, we, uh, we're reminded, right, that, that even that is temporary and that there is a time where God will make all things new. And what he lets us know in those moments is, right, no matter how good it is, even the, the moments that we can imagine of our loved ones in the presence of our Savior, we can know that the best is yet to come. And, and here we are, Revelation 21.1. He says, there's a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. First heaven, first earth has passed away. Now there's a lot of things that we are focusing our attention on. There's a lot of things that we are living for in these moments that will pass away. There's a lot of things, right? That we understand that God has given us resources and that he has given us uh, this life that we are able to enjoy. He has uh, given us right, our, our breath. Everything is from him. God owns it all. He has blessed us with some and much of the way that we use the gifts that God has given us will not last, right? That we think about all of those things, right? All of the, the things that God has given us. And what would it look like if instead of living for these moments that we lived for eternity? What would it look like if instead of trying to be gratified 
in every moment here, right? I, I've heard the story of a father and his son, and there's been uh, studies and tests that have been done through years that, that talk about this same perspective. But a father and his son that says, hey, son, I've got uh, a Reese cup that you can have right now. Or if you'll wait till tomorrow, you can have the whole bag of Reese cups. And with that temptation in front of that child, right? There's this desire for gratification in those moments, right? And it's not that we don't want to experience. And God has so much for us, but there's this picture that, that we might uh, have enough discipline, right? To delay gratification by consuming and, and focusing on all the things that the enemy would want to distract us with and that we might live for the glory of God, that we might live different. And like that little boy, Many times we struggle, right? Many times our eyes get fixed on the temptations, on the desires, on those things that are here. And instead of living with the end in mind, we live for this present world. Now, notice the first thing that John recognizes and the first thing that he states here is he says that there's no longer any sea. Now, think about that. And some of us love to snorkel and look at all the things that are there. My wife being one of those, right? And I think about no longer any sea. Why is there no sea? And we see that there's water in heaven. We read about a, 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 a river of, of life, right? We read about these kind of things. But I want to remind you where John was in the moments when he looked and saw this glorious new heaven and new earth, this glorious city that was coming down. When he saw those moments, right, John was one of the, he, he was the only uh, disciple that did not die a martyr's death, right? He was uh, one who was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And so in those moments, as far as he could see, and, and when he would look out, he, he would see the sea all around. He would see those kind of things. And for John, uh, I believe that as he looked at those things and, and the sea in those times, right, there was a great separation that was caused by that. And when he was banished to this island, right, could it be that as he looked up into the glories of heaven, as he was given the ability to see all these things, that, that for him, what he saw was people from every nation and every tribe. You know, for, for John, as he was exiled, the sea represented a separation from people that he loved, from the things that he loved, from all of those things, right? And when he looked up and he saw the fellowship and the glory of God and the people fellowshipping together, he said, there is no more separation. There is no more sea. There is no more isolation from the people and the things that I love, right? Some of us around Christmas and we go through these holidays and there's this reminder in those moments, right, of loved ones that have gone on before us. And there feels like such a separation in those moments, there feels like such a distance between us and them. But I want to remind you that heaven is a place of eternal fellowship. Heaven is a place that we will experience the eternal glory and fellowship of heaven. We look at verse 2. The scripture says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. We see those wedding moments. Many times I get to stand uh, on a stage or to stand uh, at the front of a wedding and I get to stand by a groom as he is waiting to see his bride for the very first time. I can remember when my bride uh, came in and she was dressed and she was adorned and she was prepared for her husband. There's that beautiful picture and he says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And I want to remind you that it is a holy 
holy city and everything that it in it is in it is holy. There's a time coming when we will not experience the brokenness from sin. There will be no sin there. There'll be no more gossiping and there'll be no more lying and there'll be no more evil. There'll be no, all of those things will be gone, right? And here's this beautiful city coming down, sin gone. Verse three, and the scripture says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people and he himself will be among them, right? God himself will be among them. The presence of God is everywhere. If, if you scroll on down to verse 22, we see these words. It says, I saw no temple in it for the Lord God, the almighty and the lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it for the glory of God illuminated it. And its lamp is the lamb. We, we read, right, there's no need for the sun or moon. I can't tell you whether there's going to be a sun or moon there, but I can tell you one thing, there will be no need for it. If it's there, it'll be just like little Christmas ornaments reflecting uh, the glory of God, right? Just decorations uh, in, in light of the glory of God and the light that he's there. There's no need, right, for the sun or moon. The glory of God will light the way. He will dwell among his people. Verse 24, the nations will walk by his light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Verse 25, he says, in the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed. You know, my wife, every night, uh, she's very, 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 very intentional. And if we happen to go to bed and she's forgotten it, she will say, hey, did you check the front door and make sure that it is locked? Did you make sure that the deadbolt is turned? And so if not, we have to go check those things because there's this reality, right, that we live in the midst of a broken world. But when we look to that eternal city, we will be fully secure in the presence of God. There will be no evil. I want to remind you that our enemy has been vanquished forever. And when we see God in all of his glory, we will worship him like never before. We will see his face. We will be experiencing his grace and his mercy, right? I've heard people say there's going to be some surprises in heaven. One, uh, there's going to be some surprises that there's people uh, that we thought would be there that are not there. And there's going to be surprises that there's people that are there that we didn't quite expect to be there. And then there's going to be a great surprise, right, that we're there. And we're going to be going, I can't believe in all that I've done and all those things that God loved me. And in his grace, he made a way for me to be made holy, right, before God, right? This is such a truth, right? Positionally, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are made holy. We are made right with God. We receive the righteousness of Christ is credited to our account. And one day, and as we live in this life, right, God is doing a work in us to conform us to the image of his son day by day in the things that we go through and in, in everything that is in our life. He is working to make us true of us practically what's been made true of us positionally when we place our faith in Christ and one day in glorified bodies made new there will be no more sin and there will be no more uh, no more flesh that we are dealing with and we will be in the presence of our God forever what a glorious day that will be and there'll be no need for security there'll be no need uh, 
for, for those kind of things, right? We're going we're, we're gonna to work. There's going to be things that go on. We see this, this creation restored. We see God had, had placed Adam and Eve, uh, and he had placed Adam in the garden to work. There's going to be, some people think about heaven, and we talk about it, and we think it's just going to be one long church service, right? And sometimes that's when we're like, hey, I want my, my 10 more years. But what we understand, man, is that heaven is going to be so much more than that. It's going to be glorious and majestic, and, and we're going to experience all those things, right? But there's going to be no need for some jobs there. Uh, if you're an undertaker, it's over, right? You don't need that. No more doctors. If you're a doctor, you went to school all that time, it won't matter. You're going to enjoy it. But there's going to be no need for all those things, right? We're going to experience the perfection of glory because verse 4 tells me there's going to be, like we're thinking about some things that are going to be there, and, and it's incredible, but there's going to be some things that are not there. And it's verse 4, he says, and, we will wipe, and he will wipe away every tear from their eye, and there will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning. Aren't you glad to know that there'll no longer be any mourning and no pain, that there'll be no death, no crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. God is going to do away with death. We will never experience that again. We will, you know, often my phone rings or a text comes in or something happens and it reminds me of the brokenness of this world, of those that are are, are facing sickness, of those that are experiencing the death of a loved one. And I wonder this morning, what is difficult in your life right now? What are the things that are causing pain? What are those things that you are walking through. You know, I, I see my wife get migraines and I see uh, arthritis and I see people deal with cancer and all those kind of things. I'm reminded that those things are going to be gone, that never again will you experience sickness, that never again will we experience colds and disease, never again will we experience relational strife, never again there will be no more kids that we that we see that are starving. There will be no more children without a home, right? There will be none of those things. No more death, no more cancer, no more heartache. God will comfort and take away and wipe away every tear, right? And we long for that day. And then in verse 5, behold, the scripture says, He who sits on the throne beholds, I am making all things new. And he said, write these words. And when he wrote these words, they were going to those who were facing difficult times and facing persecution. And he said, write these words because the people that they're going to, they need to understand that these words are faithful and true and that your suffering is not going to last. They need to hear those words. Those that are going to read them later, those that are going to be gathered in moments on a Sunday morning at Cowie Baptist Church, right? That they need to hear those words. And you write them because they are faithful and true. Then Jesus said, I am making all things new. He said, you can count on it. When you look at the word of God, you can know that the prophecies about Christ, that everything came true and was fulfilled in him. And you can know that one day we are going to experience these moments. And he said, write these words because they are faithful and true. And then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. And he who overcomes will inherit these things. I will be his God and he will be my son. We will be his children. All that's his will be ours. Can I remind you this morning that your toil is not in vain. The last verses of that chapter 21, we read, 
Verse 27, and nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, every story that we read, we, we read the story and we long for the end of it to say, and they lived happily ever after. And that is the promise for the child of God. That we will live in his glory, happily ever after. And the reality is that we struggle in this life to live in light of eternity. We struggle in the moments that we live, in the, in the present desires that we have. We're so easily distracted, but our focus should be on eternity, on the things that will last. Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths will destroy, where you don't have to worry about rust. He said, in all those places. And he says, here's something you need to know. He said, you better be careful and examine where your treasure is. And sometimes we can get so focused on these moments. He said, because where your treasure is, if it's in this life, or if your treasures are being laid up in eternity, he said, it's there that you will find your heart. And it's so easy for us to be distracted. It's so easy for me to be distracted. But I want to remind you that in light of heaven, when we think about the glory that awaits us, I want to give us just three things to remember this morning. Number one is that because of the reality of heaven, that we face hurting with hope. Because of the reality of heaven, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I know what some of you are going through. But I want you to know that we face hurting with hope. Jesus did not promise us that we would be free from trouble. Fact is, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You're going to face persecution. You're going to face difficulty. But he said, you can be of good courage. He said, take courage because I have overcome this world. The Apostle Paul uh, wrote in... 1 Corinthians 4, he said, you know, I know that in this life that we go through difficult things. We experience heartache and suffering. But he wrote these words. He said, uh, he said this momentary light affliction. He said, the difficulties that we face in this life. He said, they're nothing to be compared to what God has for us. He worded it this way. He said, this momentary light affliction. He said, it's working a far exceeding weight of glory in the eternal. And he said, therefore, church, if you are walking through hard times, if you are in the midst of those moments of suffering, he said, therefore, we do not lose heart. He said, even though the outward man is perishing, even though our bodies, listen, every one of us, right, we are dying in this room. And apart from Jesus coming back, we will face death. But the reality is that though the outer man is perishing, the scripture says that the inward man is being renewed day by day. You know, I was talking uh, this morning to Kristen Hooper and her uh, grandfather, uh, a, a longtime pastor in this area, and just a man that loves Jesus. Uh, he is nearing uh, the time that he will uh, be with the Lord and be in his presence and, and, and 99 years old and facing the cancer. And in the midst of that, there's been this overwhelming joy because he said, I can't wait 
that even this past summer, he said, I can't wait because there is more up there than there's ever going to be in these moments. And I believe that what God says is true and that one day I'm going to be in the very presence of God for eternity. We have heaven to hope for. And in those moments, the things of this world, right, they grow strangely dim. And so we face hurting with hope. We know that suffering is temporary and that joy is eternal because of eternity, right? Because of the reality of heaven, we face temptation with help. Our eyes are not fixed on the things of this world. We set our mind. The apostle Paul said in Colossians 3, he said, therefore, you've been raised up with Christ. Keep seeking those things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And then the scripture goes on to say that when he is revealed, we too will be revealed with him in glory. And in those moments, whatever we face, when we are a child of God, we understand uh, that those things are temporary. And so we look toward heaven and we look toward eternity and we live in light of it. See, we lay our treasures up there. We live our lives focused there. C.S. Lewis said this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. The apostles themselves who set foot, who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. And my hope is that our focus would shift from these temporary moments that we live and our focus would be fixed on glory, on the eternal. The enemy is blinded and he makes us think that the things of this world are so big. He makes us think that these present moments are so big. But when we get a glimpse of the glory of God and all that he has prepared for us, it changes how we live now. We begin to live for eternity. We see our things differently. We see the things God has given us differently. We see the relationships that are in our life differently. Apostle Paul said it this way with his eyes fixed on heaven. He was a heavenly minded man. And he said this in Philippians chapter three, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, we're not there yet. And he said, I haven't attained it yet. But he said, forgetting those things which are behind. And listen, we, we hold dear to so many things here. But he said, forgetting those things which are behind, even those, those special moments, those good moments. You know, there's a lot of things uh, that are not so good. There's a lot of things in my past that I wish I could get rid of. Some of you may be here this morning, and there's things this year you wish you could just go back and change. Sinful moments, things that you wish you could completely just forget happened. The Apostle Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And we do that by fixing our eyes on those things that are ahead. There's a poem, the very day I came to Christ, there was a 
pastor that said these words. He said, no one can go back and make a brand new start, my friend. But all of us can start today and make a brand new end. And it's my hope that we would forget those things that are behind us and that we would lay our eyes on heaven and that we would run the race that's set before us, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus and we would live for eternity, that we would live for the things that really matter, for the glory of God. Will you bow your head with me this morning? We're going to worship our great God together. My prayer is that God would help us to live for what lasts forever, starting right now. There are people in your lives that need to know about Jesus. There are people, that relationships that have seemed like burdens that maybe God has placed in your life so that you might proclaim the good news of the gospel. There are some of us that may need to just lay down the, the, the sin that so easily uh, besets us, this, the, the, the weight. Uh, the scripture says that, that, uh, that we carry the things of this world that are so important, that have distracted us so much from living uh, in light of eternity. Some of us may need to lay those very things down this morning at an altar and that, that we might uh, get up and that we might run this race, that we might live with our eyes fixed on Christ, that we might live for eternity. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you during this time of response to come and lay those things down at the altar. You may be here in the reality of heaven. It sounds amazing, but you've never trusted in Jesus for your salvation. And the thought of heaven is scary because you're not sure that you can be there. But the Bible would tell us that God has made a way through the cross of Christ, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, that we would turn from our sin in repentance and turn to the finished work of the cross, recognizing that when Jesus died on that cross, it counted for me. And we believe and trust in his work of the cross, that he, that he died in our place, that he was placed in a bar tomb, that he rose from the grave. We believe and trust him for salvation. And the scripture would tell us in 2 Corinthians 5 that if anyone is in Christ, that all things have been made new. That the old is gone and the new has come. And this morning you can be made new, forgiven, and given new life in Christ. My hope is that you will respond as God leads. Father, we ask you to do what only you can do in these moments. God, if someone doesn't know you in this room, I pray that they would turn from their sin and turn to you this morning. God, whatever is holding us back, God, whatever weights are keeping us, Lord, just focused on this life and living in these moments, Lord, I pray that we would lay those down. Lord, we would run this race with endurance that is set before us, Lord, in the power of your spirit until you call us home and make all things new. In Jesus' name.